Hey everyone, Happy New Year. Just wrapped up talking with Canadian folk alternative indie singer-songwriter Rachel Bobbitt. We talked about her small hometown of Port Williams, Nova Scotia, popularity on Vine, moved to Toronto, taking chances, cutting teeth, experience at the Humber Music Program, writing moments behind her EP, The Ceiling Could Collapse, who she would play a song with when she gets to heaven, and more. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Rachel. Rachel, hello, Happy New Year. Welcome to the show. Hi, Happy New Year. Thank you so much for having me. No problem, no problem. And we were just talking about, and before we started this interview, about new projects that you're working on. Um, can you tell us about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, got a couple of things coming up. I'm working on some covers, um, which I'm really excited about, and putting some final touches on a new project, which I'm also really pumped about, um, and hopefully lots of live shows as well. So definitely excited for the new year. Yeah, that's really cool. And um, I need to talk about something. I mean, I was listening to some interviews that you were doing and and that's that's what I like to do when I before I do any podcast with someone is to really do some extensive research about um, who they are, what kind of person they are, um, what they're currently working on. Um, but sometimes you don't know that much about somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, something that really intrigued me recently was obviously the passing of Barbara Walters um mm. and I was I, I've been a fan of hers for a while and I've been listening to a lot of her interviews um and something that she said was for any new interviewers you have to do homework mm. um you know it's you you have to she's like I I know more about the person than they know about themselves you know wow. something something that makes them think you know, like yeah. a question, just a question can make them think, you know, what is it about the person that's special? Um, but can we talk about your hometown? First of all, I want to talk about Port Williams, Nova Scotia, um, small town. I know, I know you talked about it on a podcast and um, can you talk more about that? Yeah. Um, I love Port Williams. It's, it is like the definition of a small town. There's like, there used to be like one little convenience store that actually shut down. Um, so it's it's very like limited in terms of resources, but it looks very beautiful and it's very like tight knit. And um, obviously it's really nostalgic um, for me to be there because um, it's where I spent most of my childhood. So um, yeah, I just, I feel like every time I go home, um, I leave feeling very grounded um, as cheesy as that may sound, it's like a very, very grounding place to be. So love for Port Williams for sure. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And um, you you play a lot of instruments. Um, what are the instruments that really uh, draw you into music? Yeah, I um, guitar is definitely like my main go-to. Um, I took like a, a little bit of piano lessons when I was little. So I feel like I know enough about piano for it to be like restrictive feeling um but not enough for me to actually like do anything really all that new with it so I think guitar is like a perfect (laughs) like level of knowledge for me where like I don't really know what I'm doing so it just feels very open and like um I like experimenting with different tunings and um you know different playing with picks and without picks and um, it just, it feels like there's more, um, ways for me to branch out with it. So that's definitely my go-to. Um, although I do like, uh, layering vocals a lot as well. Cause I feel like that is a similarly like open feeling platform to use to experiment with. So, yeah. 
Yeah, that's really cool. Um, and for me, I think I, I I tend to listen to a lot of records. I'm a huge record collector. Um, and I, I, I like listening to the old time sounds of music um, from anywhere from the 60s to the 50s to the 80s. Uh, but majority of my love has been in country music a lot. Mm. Um, I, I love the Tammy Wynettes, the George Jones of the world, uh, Vince Gill a lot. Um, but I also listen to a lot of folk songs. I listen to a lot of uh, James Taylor, um, Jim Croce. Mm. Uh, man, I, I really loved uh, Bad Boy, Bad Bad Leroy Brown. Uh, that's such a great song uh, from oh. Jim Croce. <laughs> Um, but what, what are you listening to when it comes to records? Yeah. Um, it's definitely really spread out. I feel like kind of for every song, I think there's usually like different references I'm pulling from and, and different things I want to achieve. And, um, I think for a while I was really, um, trying to not do that as much as possible and just like fully go into things, um, without, you know, having any direct references or, or um, kind of aspirations for how things might sound. But I think that was coming from a worry of like, you know, totally just coming out sounding like what I was trying to do. But I think at the end of the day, um, you're always going to sound like you and people are constantly pulling from all these different inspirations. So um, definitely from a song to song level, I, I typically have like a few different things floating around. Like I want the vocals to kind of come across um, like this, or I want the instrumental to be sounding like that. So um, I feel like there's lots of different musicians that I listen to. The Nationals a big influence for me. I really love their like thematic approach to things. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Leonard Cohen again. He like inspired me so much when I was little. And I think like, because I listened to him so much when I was young, I, I kind of fell out of listening to him on a more daily basis. But I've been listening to him a lot now. And he uses a lot of like, um, female, like floaty, angelic background vocals, which just sounds so classic and contrast his like gravelly <laughs> singing really, really well. So I've been really inspired by that lately, just like a really angelic choral sound. And I'm not a soprano at all, but I've been trying to recreate some of that vibe for sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And do you ever find yourself, you know, when when you're coming off stage or you're at home and you're trying to write some new songs. Do you ever just find yourself just sitting on sitting on the floor and just really having a, a, a really like, how do I describe this? It? Like a really personal moment just by yourself to really understand what songs you want to write? Yeah, for sure. I, um, I was actually talking to my friend about something really similar the other day. And I do feel like the times that I feel the most um, inclined to write and the most, um, I guess inspired is when I am alone and when I've been spending a long time alone. And um, I feel like I'm a fairly social person and I do like to surround myself with as many friends and family members and, you know, have as many people talking at once as possible kind of energy. But um, so it really contrasts when I like I'm alone and there's no noise and I'm not playing a podcast or listening to music. And it's like those moments of like complete silence where I want to I have the impulse to to fill it. So, yeah, absolutely. And uh, for those who are new to Rachel Bobbitt, she kind of got popular. Well, I don't want to say popular because popular is a big word, um, but popular on Vine. Um, 
I, I, I don't recall what it was. I think it was a Christmas song that, that, that got, that kind of started the whole launch of your career. Uh, talk to me about that. Yeah. Vine is such a, an interesting thing to reflect on. Um, cause I was just so young and I was in Fort Williams and you know, the resources for musicians in the Valley is like very limited. And, um, there's, there's amazing musicians um, that come out of Nova Scotia, but I think it's just, it's not, um, I like, I didn't know anyone in bands and like, I didn't know people who like just jammed it out and like had a fun time creating. And like, it definitely felt like if you were going to do music, you were going to be like in theater or you're going to be like a singer songwriter folk musician. Um, and I didn't really feel like I had access to that. So Vine was like a good kind of way to, release some creative energy and I don't know I was so young I think it just it served its purpose for the time and I, I'm I'm so grateful for like the ability to share and express um but I think it also ended up feeling kind of restrictive as I got older um feeling like people had expectations for me already even though I didn't even know what I wanted to like write or create at all so yeah yeah that's um that's that's so interesting and um you you moved to Toronto when you were seventeen years old. Mm-hmm. Um, was that was that ever difficult for you just to make that transition from just a small town, or was that just a dream of yours to just to go into a big town like Toronto and and really jump into the immersive music scene that's already uh, been so vibrant? Yeah, it was extremely difficult for me. Um, it honestly took me like three years to not hate Toronto. <laughs> I think like when I first moved here, I was just so overwhelmed by everything and going downtown would like literally take all the energy out of me. It would be like, you know, I spend an hour downtown and then come home and have to like take a nap because I was like, that was way too overwhelming. And um, I was so homesick. And honestly, like the first year that I was in school, I was like, I don't know if I can like live here, if I can actually do this. And um, so it was difficult. And um, but I'm, I'm really glad I stuck it out because it is such a wonderful place to make music and to be creative. And I don't know, it's like in the little things where like, if you go, whenever I visit home in the Valley, like people, because it's such a small area, it's one of those things where like, if you were to wear something, you know, a little more out there or like more vibrant, people would definitely like look at you strange, but in Toronto, you can do like whatever you want. And that's a very freeing um, sense of like animity. And it's just, it's a good vibe here once you like stick it out. So it was really difficult though. Yeah, absolutely. And you went, you went to Humber College. Yeah. And you went for, what was the program again? Um, It was for jazz vocals. Ah, that's interesting. Um, And you don't know this, but um, I went to Humber College. Um, Oh, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I went I went to Humber North for broadcasting radio. Uh, but I actually before that I took a dual credit program at Humber Lake Shore campus. Okay. Um, and I did this dual credit program about um I think it was personal um I think it was personal something communication. And it was sort of like this this leeway to like a pathway to become a child and youth worker. Um, oh, okay. Right. And so then I would actually recommend people to do that because it is helpful. Like you, you might not think that like a dual credit program might not help. It does. 
Like, mm, tell, okay. trust me, it does. Um, because at, at first, when I was, I was talking to my guidance counselor, this is a funny story, how, how this all came about. Um, so I was talking to her and I says that I want to do child youth work. But the problem was that you need some prerequisites in order to to get into that program. And so I had to kind of like, they said that you'd have to redo some English courses. Um, you'd have to get your mark back up uh, more to, to get into the program. And then, and then I talked some more about, uh, about other options. What other options are there? And I did, I started podcasting back in 2018 uh, when I was still in high school. And there's, this was like a, a student led podcast. Um, and we just saw that this is, there's a storage room and a classroom, like a soundproof um, storage room. So we cleaned that all out. We stayed up till uh, probably what, eight o'clock at night. Um, just cleaning it out, making sure we're getting. And then uh, we got all this equipment from um, Long McQuaid that we rented. And it was just all Rode microphones, uh, audio technical stuff. And then we created this podcast studio. Um, and then I went to um, Humber Radio for radio broadcasting is where I graduated re recently, which is really cool. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it, it's crazy to think that, you know, we both have come full circle moments. And do you ever just like think to yourself that, wow, like I've I've made it this far into where I am and here I am with a career now represented by PR firms because it's not easy to get people to represent you. Yeah, it definitely, I, I try to kind of remind myself of that a lot. Like, you know, I have an apartment in Toronto with friends I love and you know it's like in a job I love and um I definitely feel like if I were to be able to like tell my little 10 year old self that she'd be super stoked so <laughs> yeah that's that's really cool and you talked about your 10 year old self uh when you look back now on that at that 10 year old self and you look back now at what who you are now what would you say to that 10 year old self Oh, that's a sweet question. Um, I don't know. I guess I would say that you will be very happy um, in the future. Because I was very, I was so anxious when I was a kid and like got bullied a lot in school. Um, but um, so I spent a lot of like 10, 11, 12 years, like extremely like anxious and, and worried about myself and my life so i would just say like you're, it'll be fine because it could it could kids feel so much and it can be very overwhelming to be a kid so yeah yeah it's it is true i mean like i i went to uh this i think it was the co-op program um at a at a school um and it was a middle school actually and i had to be like a teacher's assistant just be, mm -hmm. just basically like it, it's not the easiest job in the world i will say yeah. Uh, because you're dealing with children that are like crazy. Yeah. Um, and and just dealing with those kids, it was better than I thought. You know, here are these kids that are just so lively and happy. And and I look back on the moment and I said, man, I wish I was that age again. Uh, yeah. you know, like just, just living through those moments. And I, I remember I have this, uh, this one cousin and um, he's what, I think seven years old right now. And we want to, we go on vacation to Niagara Falls and we go to the arcade and and here I am as like a, a 20 21 year old um, man going 
to an arcade with like a seven-year-old. And I says, and I and I'm and I'm thinking in my head, you know, like, man, what would it be like just to relive those memories again of being a child and being free like that, you know, just running yeah. around having a blast. And it says, well, you can, you you can relive those moments through the eyes of a seven-year-old. You know, it's it's yeah. so important. Um, so do you ever, whenever you you have time off, do you ever just look back on those moments and say, man, I wish I could relive moments like those. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely do. I spend a lot of time reflecting on like family childhood moments. And um, honestly, for me now, it's been a lot of reflecting on my parents. Um, and because they were my age when they had kids. Um, and so that's been like really strange. My dad, has always been a tech guy and he uh, took so many home videos from when we were little and when we were growing up. And I used to watch them a lot when I was like a child. And um, watching them now is so weird because when I would watch them when I was little, obviously I would relate to like myself and my siblings watching those videos. Um, but now when I watch them, I relate to my parents in that situation because they're my age. Um, and it's really strange to see like my 22 year old dad, like changing a diaper and like, having kids and being an adult um yeah it's 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 a weird shift you go through yeah and so as we talk about shifting let's talk about um, um your introduction to the software reaper and and we'll talk about your music as well um and and i think a lot of people um use reaper but i used reaper when i was in high school for the radio podcast station that we had um, and so uh, it was so difficult because I, I, I didn't know how to really work it. Um, mm -hmm. So we'd have this other teacher actually come in and, and be basically the producer behind behind the scenes and making sure everything is connected, whatever. Um, but can we talk about your introduction to Reaper and then we'll get into talking about your EP, The Ceiling Could Collapse. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was really excited to have like a DAW to use because I all throughout um, high school, I didn't use anything to record other than like voice memos. And I didn't know really anyone. I knew one guy um, uh, who was like a family friend and he played bass and he used Reaper. So I had heard the name and um, knew of it. But when I came to university, um, my uh, a couple of my friends, uh, Justice Durr, who I like still work with a ton and um, as a big part of my life, he used Reaper. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to download that and I'm going to try to figure that out. And I remember like the first song that I made on it, I was so excited. And I showed my friends, Danny and Justice. And I was like, man, like you got to hear this. And they were so nice and supportive. But looking back, like, I'm sure it was just like, so, <laughs> so bad. But I was very just excited to be able to record anything at that point. And then now I use Ableton, um, just because I feel like it has more like MIDI capabilities and it's just a bit more intuitive for like building demos and stuff like that and mixing. Um, but Reaper was just such a great like starting point, obviously, because it was free. Um, and also it's just like, it's a great setup. It's very bare bones, straight up. You can just like jump right in. So shout out to Reaper. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Reaper. Um, <laughs> can we talk about your, your EP, The Ceiling Could Collapse? Um, it's such a great record. Um, it, it really is. Uh, one of my favorite songs on that is is the first song on the album, which is "More." Um, it, it's it's so honest, um, and it it really is this open book of honesty, um, as I would say. 
Uh, where does that come from? Yeah, um, more when I started writing it, um, I remember I was, I showed justice and I was like, I don't know about this one. Cause I felt like maybe it was too wordy and it was a little bit different than how I usually write lyrics. Um, so I, I think I was kind of shying away from it, but, um, as I started writing more, it, um, <laughs> as I started writing more of the song, it, uh, started to, I don't know, show itself in different ways. And it, it kind of made sense as I went. Um, so I'm glad I didn't abandon it cause I definitely got, Pretty close at certain points of being like ah, I feel like this is too wordy and it's not really going to come across and um but yeah it it definitely came from a couple different places um I was having a lot of like you know cyclical pain that I was trying to get dealt with at the doctors and just getting told the same things over and over again and I was also reflecting a lot on like past relationships and um not wanting to have kids and just a lot of things that had to do with like your physical body and how that affects your relationships. Um, and I had a lot of help with, with the song from justice and from the band that I play with. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was a lot of like really satisfying little milestones to put that one together. Yeah. You, you're just talking about like different things that happened that when you, when you would go see the doctor and stuff like that. Um, and, I, I would I would suppose so that you probably deal with some sort of anxiety um, mm -hmm. and and stuff like that and um, but when it when it gets to that point where it gets to an extreme level, um, how do you deal with it? Yeah, um, honestly, I think for my anxiety, it um, it's been a couple different things. I, I definitely think like talking to my friends who a lot of them also have anxiety to varying levels and that can just be really grounding to be like, Oh, I'm, I'm not like crazy. There is, <laughs> there is someone else who has these thoughts and who has similar ways of dealing with them. And, um, for me, honestly, like starting medication as well was like a game changer. And I think there's not, I mean, like it's becoming more and more acceptable and like more and more, um, uh, uh, normal, I guess, to, to have medication that helps you on a day-to-day -day level, but it's like, that was definitely changed my, my method of thinking in a lot of ways. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about friends, you do a lot of jam sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, walk, walk me through about what, what gets played in jam sessions. Yeah. Um, I have the same band I always play with, um, Steven on drums and Isaac on bass and Justice on guitar. So we all like know each other super well. Um, usually when we have rehearsals, I'll bring a song that's like pretty done um, in terms of like lyrics and melodies, but um, we'll kind of jam it out and feel the arrangement and Steven might change the drum patterns and maybe there'll be some chord changes. And um, so it's mostly like I'll bring kind of the skeleton of something and then we will like feel out what uh what feels the best and sometimes it's like the exact version that I had in mind and sometimes it's really different so um it's always fun to just like use everyone's abilities because I don't know I always think like I have so much admiration for people who like play all the songs on their records and mix them and master them and do everything themselves but that's just not me and I think anytime Isaac maybe has an idea for a new bass line and he'll ask me like, oh, are you okay with this? I'm like, man, you know how to play the bass a million times better than I do. So it's kind of like whatever you are feeling in that moment. Um, I definitely trust all of my band members to add their own uh, expertise. Yeah. Um, 
And so does that also correlate with the, uh, the part where it's ear training for you? Um, because you talked a lot about that in uh, a, a podcast I was listening to that you're on. Um, walk me through what that ear training uh, goes for you. Yeah, um, there was a lot of ear training in school, which I enjoyed actually a lot. It was like, it was pretty challenging, but I think um, it just grounds you and it, it allows you to like look at music from a, and like a more intellectual perspective. And um, that's exciting for me because I, I do have theory knowledge, but I don't use it when I'm writing. So I think in like a jamming situation, um, it's honestly just like shortcuts to be able to communicate ideas. And I think like that is just so helpful to have the language that you need to, to be able to get the results you want. Um, and I think honestly, like that is so much of like what creates barriers for people um, in the music world. But I think also like outside of it is just like knowing how to communicate what you want um, because it's one thing to like know what you like, but if you don't know how to tell people how to make that, then it's, it just stays inside your head. So I think that's been a really helpful tool to have for sure. Right. Right. I, and I think a lot of like people deal with that issue of like, that we get so in our heads sometimes yeah. and, and we overthink stuff that don't need to be overthought. Mm -hmm. um, and how do you, how do you deal with that when that happens? Yeah, that is, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm definitely an overthinker. Um, I like to go for walks for sure. Um, or like read a book is good because it like corners your brain into thinking of something else. Um, just doing something to like shake up the thought loops that are so easy to fall into. Yeah. Um, and do you ever feel, cause you, you, you talked about uh, just earlier about uh, feeling grounded. Um, mm -hmm. And do you ever like, like to go into the environment and really feel out uh, the nature of your music and, and that's what inspires it. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think, especially when I'm home, like being so close to the ocean is so nice. And the the beaches in Nova Scotia, at least the ones that I've experienced are like very rocky and rugged. And I don't know, I, there's like, I love that. I think like any of the beaches that I've been to in Toronto, obviously they're not by the ocean, but they're very like sandy and like they're almost like too comfortable <laughs> like I I like going to a beach in Nova Scotia where it's like the rocks are jagged and it's cold and it's windy and the ocean is kind of going crazy because it's like that's like beautiful is something that like seems untouched and you can't control it and it's just like going to exist with or without you um so I think that's like a really grounding feeling is just like knowing that the ocean does not care about me at all <laughs> it's nice yeah um and so that leads me to my next question of saying you know there's a lot of people that will there's a lot of naysayers and there's there's a lot of people that also take chances on people um and and you probably have a lot of people that have basically given you that opportunity to really um, open your wings and fly and what would that moment be for you? Yeah oh man I feel like there's been a lot of people who have just been so wonderful and supportive um, definitely like I mean my parents are just very like very sweet and very supportive and just like 
just very excited um, for me to be able to make music, I think. And they've always been that way. So it's something that I have to keep reminding myself is that like, it's, I'm very lucky to have a family that is so supportive, like, and my siblings as well, like so sweet and um, just, yeah, really wonderful people. And um, my managers, Ricky and Sammy as well, like, I think when I first called Ricky um, for the first time, it was like a couple years ago and I hadn't, I hadn't worked with like any term, like any sort of like person in the industry or whatever. And I was like, this is definitely a scam. Like, I don't know what's going on, but he was so nice and just seemed extremely genuine. And um, the two of them are just like, honestly, some of the best people. Um, so it's that I'm so lucky. And also the people at the label that I work with, people from Fantasy, um, um, Golche is someone that I work really closely with at Fantasy and like she has definitely stuck her neck out for me like so many times and um, yeah Margie the head of Fantasy like there's just there's a there's so many people honestly that I feel like so much gratitude towards um, in, in terms of like giving me the resources and, and a platform to like experiment and create and um, it, it feels like I I want to be able to um, create something meaningful, not only for myself, but also for them, which is a good feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and as we're wrapping up with eight minutes left on the speeding time, I want to quickly storm through this question and ask you, when you get to heaven, um, if you were to play a song with anybody that's already up there, who would it be and why? Oh, man, that is a tough one. Hmm. Mm -mm -mm. Okay, I feel like ugh, there's so many options, but gonna go back to the roots and honestly say my grandpa because he played so much music when I was little and like played so much guitar and like violin and um, the accordion and we'd all have like kitchen parties and dance and he passed away before I like really fully started like pursuing music in earnest. So I just think it would be so fun to be able to like show up and be like, Hey, I know how to play guitar too now. And like, we can jam Hobo Bill together. <laughs> I think that'd be really nice. Yeah. For me, it would probably be Kenny Rogers. Mm, um, yeah. Love, love Kenny Rogers. I have a lot of his records actually here. Um, Daytime Friends, um, just a really good collection of music. Um, yeah. Well, we've come to the end of this interview, but thank you for so much for chatting with me. Um, you know, to the listeners who made it this far to the episode, thanks so much for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Canadian folk alternative indie rock singer songwriter Rachel Bobbitt. You can find her on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube. For more info, visit rachelbobmusic.com. To support the show, please feel free to share it with family, friends, or on social media. You can find the podcast everywhere on all podcast room platforms. Lastly, I've been your host, Shigny Keltsing. Thanks for tuning into the show. Thank you.